Welcome to Theology Q&A, powered by The Witness, a Black Christian Collective, and I am your host, Pastor Aaron. Before we get into the subject matter for this episode, I want to take the opportunity to give everyone an update as to some things that have been going on with me personally. We were actually delayed in the recording and the release of this episode due to a pretty bad health scare that my father had. For those of you who have ever walked through health difficulties on a personal level or with family and friends, you know that it can be a very difficult time. And when those things are happening, it could just be hard to do anything else, right? And I am terrible at multitasking. While my dad was in the hospital and dealing with what he was dealing with, I just couldn't compartmentalize to see about him and stay on top of that and think through and record a podcast at the same time. And I was reminded that whenever we walk through a crisis, things are just simplified very quickly. It was also a reminder that we shouldn't sacrifice the precious relationships that the Lord has given us on the altar of productivity. And so it's okay to leave some things undone in order to focus on things that are more important. Having said that, we plan to continue from here on out our normal release schedule of every other week. And so thank you for your grace. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your support. Coming up, we're going to continue our journey into Black Theology. of you who may not be familiar, I'd like to introduce to you Charles Octavius Booth. He lived from 1845 to 1924. Booth was born into slavery in Alabama, but he went on to become a pastor, an educator, and an activist. He established and pastored Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama, which would later be pastored by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and renamed Dexter Avenue King Memorial Baptist Church. This was also the church that the Montgomery bus boycott was organized from in December of 1955. Booth also helped found Selman University and served as its second president. He was the editor of the Baptist Pioneer, and promoted literacy programs and theological training for black preachers and lay people. In 1890, to further this mission, he published a systematic theology titled Plain Theology for Plain People. It was his aim for this book that simplicity should prevail. Simplicity of arrangement and simplicity of language so that even the average sharecropper could understand it. Booth sought to bridge the gap between the academy and everyday people. Now, when I say everyday people, I don't mean to imply any type of intellectual inferiority. I'm simply stating that the reality is that there are people who have the passion, the opportunity, the bandwidth, 
and the resources to do very focused academic study at the scholarly level. And this work is very valuable. But that very important work shouldn't remain at the academic scholarly level. People on the ground, everyday people, need to have access to this work and need to benefit from this work. And when I say on the ground, for those of you who don't know, I'm a military guy. And so during my active duty days, and even now, we used to use the term boots on the ground because there is a very uh, particular distinct perspective that you have when you're actually involved in situations, when you're the one who are, who, who, who's, who's witnessing things firsthand, you know? And so that's why I use that term. And so one of the goals of this podcast is to make it plain. Now, for the record, I'm not a scholar. I'm a pastor theologian who serves God's people within the context of the local church, and within the community in which I live. So I'm not here to wow you with my intellectual prowess. I'm not here to show you how much I know. I've got nobody to impress. At least I think that list is um, a lot shorter than it used to be by God's grace. What I am here to do, though, is to encourage you in the faith and to be a voice. Now listen, a voice, not the voice, a voice that the Lord uses to help us to see him clearly and to see our place and our purpose in this world clearly. I don't have a brand to develop. I'm not interested in building a platform for myself. My aim is to serve well. Paul told the Corinthians to think of him as a servant of Christ, a steward of the mysteries of God. And I'd rather fall into that category. Now, theology, theological issues can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. They really shouldn't be. And I've also found that another obstacle to theological development and proper application of truth is a lack of historical knowledge. That's why much of this podcast this season is going to be us looking back. History provides very valuable and important context. If we don't come to grips and reckon with the people and the events that went before us, we render ourselves incapable of dealing with the issues of today. It's important that we know, as Black people, that much of what plagued our ancestors yesterday is still alive and well today, in some way or another. And we've got to know history if we're going to know our place and our purpose in the here and now. Knowing history informs how we should respond, how we should speak, how we should conduct ourselves, the, the type of kingdom business that we should be about in our day. In our generation, black history is marked by great tragedy, pain, suffering, and injustice. But you know what? It's also marked by God's amazing grace, his deliverance, his covenant faithfulness, 
and yes, even victory. From 1619 to 2019, that has been the case 400 years. And so I'd like to take us back a little bit. I'd like to take us back to the earliest days when the very first Africans first stepped foot on what would become American soil. What started out as indentured servitude quickly gave way to race-based chattel slavery. Black bodies were captured, sold, and enslaved for the sake of profit. Our ancestors were offered up by the millions to the demon gods of white supremacy and greed. Africans were captured. They were held in what could be compared to concentration camps on the western African coast. They were uprooted from their families, their language, their culture, their religion, everything familiar to them. They were held there until they were sold. What awaited them from that point was the unspeakable suffering of the Middle Passage. For those of you who may not be familiar with the term Middle Passage, the Middle Passage is the journey by sea on slave ships from West Africa to the New World. It was absolutely horrific. The way in which the ships were overpopulated, there was no medical attention, there was abuse, rampant disease, fanticide, rape. It was, ap- it, it was absolutely horrific. Surviving that journey was a miracle in and of itself. Those who did survive survived only to be bought and sold as property in the new world. Human beings owning other human beings as if they were livestock, like cattle or horses. They had no control over their bodies, literally no control. What they could eat, when they could eat, where and when they could come and go. All of this was determined by those who owned them. Our ancestors were owned by people that claimed that God is the creator who had endowed men with certain inalienable rights that among these rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This contradiction was woven into the American fabric from the beginning, and it spoke loudly to the exclusion of black people. Freedom was the right of the European, but not for the African or the indigenous. And yet, there was even a greater contradiction. Those who owned black people 
those who profited from the forced labor of black people, and those who wrote laws and developed specific public policies that ensured the domination and control of black people actually claimed to be Christian. They professed faith in Jesus Christ. Certain arguments took place in these circles as to whether or not black people actually had souls. They twisted the sacraments so that the enslaved black people who were baptized could not be honored as fully functioning members of the body of Christ or of society as a whole. The doctrines of the scriptures were perverted and the gospel itself truncated in such a way as to continue to build and perpetuate the institution of race-based chattel slavery. Some states went as far as to make it illegal for black people to be literate. It was literally illegal to be able to read and write as a black person. And so our ancestors were brought to a land in which the government, the economy, and yes, even the church all conspired to rob them of their personhood. And by the way, this conspiracy is ongoing. Now, there were those who worked to bring the gospel to enslaved black people. But particularly in the South, it was a gospel that proclaimed freedom for the black soul, but not a freedom for black bodies. Even the best efforts were woefully incomplete. A gospel that doesn't liberate both body and soul is no gospel at all. I walk through this very ugly, horrific historical account, which is a very, very brief synopsis of what our ancestors walked through. Because I want us to see, I want us to know that even in the midst of this compounded oppression, God still moved. The Lord saved. And you know what? That's encouraging to me because it reminds me that God will not be mocked. He won't be. That as the Lord has determined to save and rescue, liberate, and empower, no man, no institution can stop him. He is God, God alone. I believe that the foundation of black liberation and black flourishing human liberation and human flourishing is the Christian faith, untethered from racism, 
sexism, and classism. Now, coming up, I want to deal with a major deception. It's a big lie that has been believed by far too many for far too long. Now stop me if you've heard this one. The slave trade actually worked in the favor of black people because as a result, they were brought into contact with the gospel and the Christian faith. Have you ever heard that before? I'm pretty sure if you've been around the church long enough, particularly the American church, you've heard this before. And I want to take some time to dismantle this lie. The slave trade didn't bring the enslaved into contact with the gospel. God brought these precious image bearers into contact with the gospel. If we believe the lie that race-based chattel slavery was somehow beneficial for black people, then we are set up to believe other lies that will keep us in bondage to racism and white supremacy, yes, even in the here and now. This lie seeks to absolve those who are guilty of enslaving black people, those who profited and are still profiting, and those who were complicit and are still complicit and the oppression of black people. The scriptures teach that where sin did abound, grace did abound much more. And this is what we see throughout history, that regardless of the depths of human depravity and and the atrocities of human history, that even in the midst of these things, we see God miraculously working. We see God graciously and powerfully and redemptively working, doing only what he can do. He's the only one that can create something out of nothing. He's the only one that can bring life from dead spaces. He is God and there is no one like him. Even though grace abounds much more where sin did and does abound, this does not mean that God overlooks sin. This does not mean that there, that there is to be no accountability, that there's to be no justice, no restitution, an honest reckoning of that which has actually taken place. For instance, when God brought deliverance to his people in Egypt, he also brought judgment upon the unrepentant. Listen, y'all, we can't believe the lie that European colonialism and race-based chattel slavery did black folks a favor. It's simply not true. It is a lie that is to be rejected. What is true is that even in the midst of race-based chattel slavery and European colonialism and all of the other things that have been done throughout human history, God moved, God redeemed, God made himself known. 
And if you want to know or or just use a, a basic definition of theology, period, it's it's us learning and discovering the ways in which God has revealed himself, the ways in which God has made himself known, the ways in which God has spoken, the ways in which God has acted throughout human history. And that's what this second season is about. It's about us taking a closer look at the ways in which God has spoken and acted specifically amongst and through black people. Regardless of whatever man, whatever evil schemes man can conceive of and implement, the Lord still moved. The Lord still saved. And so we, you know, as my mother would say, I don't receive that. Listen, we can't receive that lie. It is a lie. Race-based chattel slavery did our ancestors, nor does it nor does the, the, the consequences, the ramifications of it in the here and now, does us no favors whatsoever. And so we've got to reject that lie. Don't receive it. All right? Thank you for taking the time to listen and to support this podcast. And until next time, may we continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Theology Q&A with Aaron James is powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. Special thanks to executive producers Tyler Burns and Bo York. Send in your thoughts and questions for future episodes by emailing Aaron at thewitnessbcc.com and learn more about this and other shows at thewitnessbcc.com. <laughs>